lunch talk with Anton Kannemeyer at the BAB. And first of all, the talk will be recorded and published as a podcast in our website, on our website. Um, yes, Anton Kannemeyer is here as guest for the, our exhibition project. We had vernissage last Friday and on Saturday we had the workshop. And you have all, all been here in the, in the exhibition and that's why you know that he was born in 1967. Uh, studied fine arts at the University of Stellenbosch. And it's very important because he is the co-publisher with Conrad Boats of the series Bitter Comics. And he brought to us um, a few lithographs that are exhibited uh, in the exhibition. And his latest publication, Pub and Dubbed, a compilation of comics and artwork of him. Good. Um, well, once again, thank you very much for uh, inviting me and for letting me talk here. Um, I made a bit of a different presentation to the one that I did on um, Saturday so that I don't bore the people who have seen the other one. And um, I also understand a bit better now what this institution is doing and therefore I, I, I try to, um, to include a few more things to, to kind of give a, maybe a, a broader background to Better Comics and how we started off firstly. Um, unfortunately, I don't have as many images as I would have liked to have to, to show something that would be a bit more comprehensive, but um, I'll work with what I have here and we can have a look and, and um, discuss what I'm doing. But in the, if, if when I'm talking you find something interesting or you would like me to stop, please feel free to interrupt me and uh, we can take it from there. Um, so what I'm showing here is... Uh, Tessa, it's um, a photo comic uh, from the early 70s in, in South Africa. And um, just, just to say that photo comics was very popular in South Africa starting off in the 60s. I think it started as early as the 50s, but in the 60s it, it really gained momentum. In the 70s it was extremely popular. Television came to South Africa in 1976 and... Um, uh, after that, I think photocomics started going down, and by the mid-80s, uh, the photocomics really, the, this kind of story wasn't published anymore. This is, you can see, published by the Republicains of Paris. Um, uh, RP stands for Republicains of Paris, and then um, these, these stories were very popular um, for guys who went to the army, mostly white guys that were conscripted. So they, they would read especially things like Tessa, which at the time, because of censorship in South Africa, um, of, of course, you know, the pornography and so was, was at all not available. I mean, the first pornography in South Africa maybe started in 94, maybe 93. Um, there, there were some books or magazines where they, they maybe showed a, a, a woman, but there would always be stars on her nipples, that sort of thing. So it was that kind of censorship. But these, these books um, were quite famous as being um, puss bookies. Well, they were called puss bookies at the time. I was just discussing this with Doug just, just before. Um, but, but anyway, there, there were many different kinds of stories. These were quite exploitative, I suppose, in, in the way there were some love stories. And then there were um, one that we referred to a lot in Bitter Comics was Grensvechter, which was a, a, about a guy who went up to the border 
and fought in the Caprivi um, section of, of Namibia and also in Angola. Um, so there were lots of Cubans and bad Soviet guys and always a girl that fell in love with him and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> So and then they they also made um, black comics for for black um, for the black market, which were often edited by black editors. But we we tried to find subversive elements in these comics, and we we didn't really find that it it really was mainstream. Although some of these comics, every now and again, one would get banned because they did something in it that uh, the censorship at, at the time would find problematic. So um, this, you obviously know Zapiro. Um, I'm just showing this as an example, and this is an example of Madam and Eve. And um, in the 1980s, there was a, uh, an underground comic magazine that originated from Durban called PAX. Now, I unfortunately don't have a, um, uh, a cover image to show you. They only made six comics, uh, six issues, and... Um, they were very influenced by the American and British underground. Um, I think it started about 1985, around about there, and it stopped about 1990. Um, it was run by an editor called Andy Mason. Um, he continued to make comics subsequently, um, but not commercial, very much from an underground perspective. Now, the, the reason why I mention PAX is because both... Um, Rico and um, the Zapiro first published their comics in PAX. So it's, uh, in, in, in that sense, I think it's quite a significant magazine. Um, although the numbers of PAX, uh, PAX stands for Pre-Azanian Comics, P-A-X, um, it, 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 it was a very limited run magazine, maybe, I don't know, 300, uh, 200, 300, that, that was kind of their um, print run. So they are very hard to find. I, I think I have one copy. My brother maybe have two or three copies. Um, obviously, Annie Mason still has the, the full set, and I'm in contact with him. Um, but they are very rare now um, to find. So um, this is a photograph of myself uh, on the left-hand side and Conrad Wittes in our second year. You can see I had more hair then. <laughs> <laughs> And um, we, we met as students in 1988, and 1989 was the first year that we drew a comic together. And this comic was uh, uh, called Case 308, and it was about conscription. We, our, our initial impulse to draw comics was really that we wanted to draw adventure comics and that sort of thing, but um, the moment we started, it immediately became something that was more political or sociopolitical in, in nature. Um, in 1989, we first published in this magazine. Um, uh, it's called Stet. It was on the left-hand side. You can see it says October 1982, and that was um, the first issue of Stet. Stet is a is a term that that printers use, and in, in Afrikaans, I don't know if it's just Afrikaans. It, it could be something that works in other languages as well. It it means leave it as it is. Um, so don't change. Leave it as it is. State it, state it. It would mean you know let uh, leave as is. Um, and uh, um, this magazine was the first magazine that I, as a as a child, I was in high school during the time, uh, found extremely stimulating and and was a magazine that really um, started using foul language, foul Afrikaans language, and use it in such a way that. For the first time, I thought, well, you know, there is something that is actually cool in Afrikaans. Not everything in Afrikaans is negative, bad, and um, 
So um, you, you can see the number two here, they have a photograph of Breiten Breitenbach. But at the time, you were not allowed, he was in jail still at the time, and he was, you were not allowed to show the eyes of somebody who was in jail if you had a picture of them. So that's why his head was cut off right beneath the eyes. Um, he, he also, when he came out of jail, I, I think it was, in, it, it was soon after, it was maybe 84, um, he immediately published with the, um, the publishers uh, Taurus, who um, used Stet as a, as a um, an Afrikaans direct translation would be a mouthpiece. It, it was a magazine that the, that the publisher brought out. So this, this Stet, this magazine, also published, um, I mentioned to Doug earlier, uh, um, a Namibian artist, uh, a white Namibian artist, his surname is Nolder, if I remember correctly, and I remember that was the first time I saw comics in Stet, and that was drawn by him. And then subsequently, we um, we then also got published in Stet. So this was the first time we were published. Stet is also a very rare magazine to find. Um, <clears throat> they printed a, a, a print run of 600, so it was very limited. And um, it was something that kind of went under the radar. I mean, they, they had very, very provocative stories in their... And um, some of the, the contributors to state wrote under pseudonym so that they wouldn't, won't be recognized by the um, police or, or so uh, subsequently. So you, you, you'll find, if you read through it, you'll find some, some obvious names um, that you will know, but you'll also find names here that are... Um, um, I've, I know there's a, a woman, for instance, Karen Konsentrasikamp. She made the drawings, you know, and you wouldn't know who she was. And then Dan Ruud, um, he, he's an author, a South African author who published here, and, and he actually the state made a case against him for making a book that they regarded as pornography. And I, I, I remember there was quite a thing that it had to it had to be proved in court that it was actually literature, not just pornography. Anyway, so so from that kind of background, Bitter Comics started. This is the cover of Bitter Comics number one. As you can see, we didn't use color at the time. Also, uh, Conrad and I, when we started the magazine, we basically have drawn up to that point, and this was 1992. We've drawn many different short comics, which we then put together in this magazine. It has 60 pages. Um, the cover was done right at the last moment, I think a few hours before we had to go to the printers. So we did it during the... We worked right through the night, and did the, which is a, a mistake. I... <laughs> You know, subsequently we realized it's very important to have a good cover and not just something that you do right at the last minute. And you can you can see that the letters on the on the in, in the word bitter comics has kind of a feel of as if it has Russian characters in it. And obviously that kind of thing was something that we deliberately put in to um, make it look like an underground thing, something that the the police force and so would find upsetting, you know, um, here we are, we've been uh, um, communists or what, what, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, the, the 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 first magazine was was met with you know kind of indifference as this kind of thing is met with normally. I mean, I for me it was a life and death situation. I thought, let me please not die before this magazine is in a bookshop at least. <laughs> and. Uh, um, <clears throat> Uh, we we realized very quickly that we are not going to make an impact with a magazine like this. So what we did was immediately to start printing some of the pages, large silk screens, um, so that we can 
sell the comic within a context of an exhibition, maybe also to give it kind of more of a, um, a high culture impact. I, I don't know. Um, so we, we, we sold it for very little, for five rands a piece, and um, uh, yeah, people bought it. Um, many people didn't want to buy it. They thought five rands was too much. Um, <laughs> this is normally the case. But um, in the end, we, we did manage to sell all of them and so make enough money to actually print the second one. So, and the, the money that we got for the printing of it uh, was both Connor and I got a bursary for postgraduate study and we just took that bursary money and printed the, the, the comic with it. We also basically put the comic in the back of a, uh, our car and went to several bookshops and just stopped everywhere and asked them to take as many as possible on consignment. Um, so they didn't have to pay us and we would later collect the money we also drove it up to Johannesburg and did the same there when we get to, to got to Durban we would do the same there even in Bloemfontein we tried to distribute the comic so it was all, all, obviously always difficult to also get the money back because you had to literally stand in front of the people before they'll pay you <laughs> um, but we, we managed to do that then we would also take the comic to um, cultural festivals, you know, and, and kind of uh, walk with a comic in the backpack and try to sell it to people from there. We had a few um, uh, reactions in the press on the first comic, but not much. People saying, ah, oh, it's, it's kind of nice alternative thing. Um, you also have to understand the, 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 um, the kind of cultural climate at the time, 1992, there were some alternative Afrikaans bands playing, and that did create a bit of a hype. Um, after making this comic, um, Conrad and I were invited to make some posters for some of these bands. So we we also did for some alternative um, uh, plays that were running all Afrikaans at the time. So 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 the thing is, we we all of a sudden found ourselves culturally embedded in the kind of left wing anti apartheid kind of group. So that's that's where we 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 immediately were situated. But the, the comic wasn't too confrontational. I mean, we I did have some lecturers saying to me, "Listen, you have to be very careful with this comic that you've made. You know, you uh, the military police may start looking at you and that sort of thing." But I also feel that but the comic started right at the end when apartheid is, was starting to come to an end. I mean, by 1992, a lot of petty apartheid was already starting to be taken down and ruled out. With petty apartheid, I mean things like signs saying whites only and that sort of thing. You know, you had benches saying blacks message on this bench, whites message on that bench. That's the kind of thing that, that was removed at the time. Um, so here is Bitter Comics number two and number three. We dropped in one color at the time. It obviously wasn't digital, so... We, um, we would draw the cover and then cut pieces of, of film and whatever and paste everything on and then you create your, your, your color um, on a second plate and that would get printed like that. These comics um, up to number four, no, actually up to number six, uh, we actually stapled ourselves um, and we would just ask the printer, we would want printing costs to be as low as possible so they would, we would have these stacks of of paper that we would put on a trolley, take back to the other part, and then we would sit there throughout the night, get friends, buy beer, and everybody would sit and staple throughout the night until morning. And we had these presses in which we would put the comics to press them. <laughs> so it was it was pretty much very much hard work, you know. First drawing the comics, then putting them together, making them really, and then distributing them. It was uh, we slept very little, but we didn't, you know, that wasn't the problem. <laughs> 